name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Apparently the New Year's Day episode uh, took a lot out of me because it's been like over three weeks and I it time flies. One one excuse I have, and it's not an explanation, it's actually an excuse, is we adopted a new dog and uh, a little puppy nine months from the Humane Society, air quotes. But they uh, got, I got, yeah, his name's Hamish. We named him Hamish. He's a German Shepherd retriever, mutt-ish thing. And we took a Scottish bent on that and called him Hamish. It's just multicultural uh, effort but on our part. Anyways, so Hamish is a, is, a, is, a, is a male dog. Now, I haven't had a male dog in years and even then just like a long time ago. So I was told at some point, and I don't remember, it could have been by God, frankly, I don't know, but somebody told me, oh, when dogs, when male dogs pee, they lift their leg. Here's, this is what, this is what Hamish does. He doesn't lift his leg. He just, he just, le- he kind of lean, he's on all fours and he kind of shifts forward a little bit as if to kind of like put his back closer to the ground. And then he just goes, here's the, and that's all you'd think that's no problem, right? Eight out of 10 times, and that's, I wish that were an exaggeration, but it's at least eight out of 10 times. He pees. Now, I don't want to go into, if my demographic, you guys know basic biology, right? So there's sort of a an arc figuratively and literally uh, to the story. But he, most of the time, as he's leaning forward, pees on his front leg. So he's he's peeing and on himself, on the on his front leg. And the thing about it is he, he, I'm standing there. I don't want to judge him. I also want to make him nervous. But he always kind of looks over at me as if to say, you know, are you feeling a little bit of warmth on your left leg, like toward the bottom? Because this is weird. It's comfortable, but also I might have some weird strain of COVID because I'm just getting a warmth just in this one little area, right, just right in the left leg. And then he goes off he doesn't even like clean it he just goes off to his thing to do whatever he has no he's not documenting it at all and it's very weird it's not what i was told was going to happen with with male dogs um and sort of an evolutionary um conundrum for me i would just say um but that's the reason okay because i don't having a puppy in the house my wife and i go do we just completely forget how much of a hassle it is to have a puppy and also we were all settled into a very very low maintenance routine with our other dog i mean just she's six she's been doing it a while she knows the deal we don't have to think about it she's part of the family just we all have our routines and we bring a puppy into the mix oh my god good lord but um moved uh went down to la for five days i'll talk about that in a minute because to work on the record finished the album finished yeah that's right finished the album more than that in a minute but since my last episode my race that i was training for not the one i direct that's still happening as far as i know but the race that i was training for the smith rock ascent got a uh had to move their dates and the reason is is because some sort of mule deer migration i'm not even making that up by the way if you thought that's kind of funny that he would know that's exactly what their thing said and one permit holder said they should do it that day the other one said you can't do it that day so they had to move it close too close in my opinion 
to my own race that I direct that I'm not running it now because I run my own race. So I'm, I don't want to run a 50K and then two weeks later, not joking, run another one because that's just too much for me. Not for other people, but for me. And uh, so I had to I had to drop out. I'm so I'm so bummed because I was training great. I was feeling really good, and I'm kind of still running more. But I'm looking for other races, and I don't have anything lined up right now. So I'm kind of bummed about it. But that's what it is, you know. I wrote the, wrote them an email, and I said, "Listen, from one race director to another, I get it. Dealing with permit holders. I don't know if you guys remember a few years back, I was in a battle, battle of the century with the permit holders. Had to take it to the mat. Won. I won. But I'm just saying." Um, switching gears over to reviews, I, I, I probably should have like an ongoing series about review. Can't, uh, comment culture is a thing. I talk about it in six truths. It's th something I think about all the time. It's amazing to me. The, 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 just how quickly we are to jump, uh, to comment when not asked. I don't know how that happened in our culture, but social media just made it so that everybody it believes they have an equal voice to everybody else and that everybody wants to know everything that they are thinking at all times. There's no switch of like, I bet they don't really want to know that because if they did, they'd freaking ask me. But we got a review the other day, somebody who didn't like the food. It, it, it happens. Most people like it. You got to play the numbers, right? Anyways, this is at the resort right work. But this one stuck out to me because it was just a throwaway thing. She goes, um, food didn't have much. She goes, sorry, but the food didn't have much flavor. Now, it was the apology that I appreciated. If you're sorry for saying it, then don't say it. Don't say it. And by, oh, by the way, you could be also specific, I guess, because if you just say the food doesn't have flavor, then it's sort of like, really? Because that's the specific you're going to get. Sorry. Sorry that you didn't ask me for this opinion, but I'm giving it to you anyways, and it's probably not something that you want to hear. So sorry. At least stand behind your comment. If you're going to comment, and by the way, it's a waste of your time, but at least stand behind it. Sorry. But here's what I decided that I'm going to challenge everybody to do for a certain period of time that is going to be up to you, not to me. Review. If you're going to set a review, review for quality of the food, not the taste of the food. So in other words... You might go to um, McDonald's, which is a, a restaurant, and you might say, um, you know, that it tastes really good because it does. But if you're reviewing for quality, in other words, the quality of the ingredients, the the nutritional value of the food, your re your review would be very different because the taste review would be like, oh, so good, it's so good, it made me high like cocaine does some on sometimes. But if you're reviewing for quality of nutritional value and health and everything else, or even environmental, whatever. But if it were, I, I'm just saying for quality of nutrition, it would be like this. It'd be like, tasted pretty good, but are they trying to murder me? Because the stuff that they were serving is real dangerous for me and statistics that show that I'm right about that. So if you're going to review something, even if it doesn't taste the very best, if the quality of the food is good, shut your pie hole and move on. Don't go to that restaurant again if it doesn't taste as good, but at least appreciate, well, they weren't trying to kill me. Like, that's kind of cool. They were trying to serve me stuff that would actually run my body quite well. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't get manipulated to my satisfaction because of a very high bar. So I'll go somewhere else. But do I need to take them down? They were trying to not kill me. I mean, if a restaurant's not trying to kill you, that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. That should be in your review. It should be like, high quality food, really good for my body. You could say that. You don't have to talk about the taste. 
That's a little challenge from me to you. And I'll just continue these because I love the reviews. I love the reviews. Why read them, Sid? I don't read the ones about me, but I have to read the ones about the resort because I have a part in managerial, you know, I have a managerial role to play there. So I keep I keep an eye on number. Everyone freaks. We got it. Somebody didn't like it. I go, how many other people? Oh, what everybody else loved it. I go, then why are you telling me? Write it down in a note. Just say one of these happened this day. And then if it happens more than once every three months, then tell me that. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. It just bums me out unless it's funny. Sorry. Sorry that food didn't. Sorry. My apologies to you. Mm. Thanksies and show notesies. Um, thanks to the Patreoners, which by the way, listen. And I got to be honest with, with the people who are supporting me on Patreon. Your numbers are dwindling. And I get it. I get it. You want to know why? Because I'm kind of, you know, I made a rule when I launched What Sid Thinks that I was not going to do it the way that I did Approaching the Natural podcast, which was every week for 222 weeks without fail. I mean, I didn't even bank episodes. I did an episode a week, rain or shine, and I would do it outside. So sometimes it was raining every week for 222 weeks document them. I was in Scotland, did an episode. I was in Atlanta, did an episode. I was in a freaking hotel room, lots of different places on some weird desk that nobody uses for anything other than just being a desk because we don't do stuff on desks. But I would podcast, pack my microphone, all that stuff. So this this show, What Sid Thinks, 100 episodes, 166 episodes, 160. It's not a new show. But this one, I said, I'm only going to do stuff when I have stuff to talk about. That was the rule. I'm going to do something. I'm, and, I, and I did, for Approaching the Natural, have stuff to talk about, but I really s- sort of like, there were definitely some episodes where I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to barrel through this. I got to be honest with you. This one, it's like, okay, it's itching. I'm itch. I got an itch. Today I got an itch. I was like, I got an itch and I'm going to scratch it by doing a podcast. So long story short, Patreoners don't feel, pre- look, I, you know, sometimes I do it more often, sometimes less. But I do want you to know that I really appreciate your support. And if you don't don't feel pressure to keep on, like if you go like, he only does it like three weeks and he does a video less than that, like this is, then bail off. However, I will say this, the support is to uh, also has helped me with my writing because I have that new book coming out, signed that deal, which is very exciting. And now at an editor is going to give me notes. Good God. Um, but also music. And that's my thing of like, you're supporting my work and I really appreciate it. It's not a joke. Um, it's super cool and it's the work I do and, and I try to pay it forward to people that I support. So anyways, it's, it's very cool. Um, so anyways, thanks to the Patreoners and check the show notes for anything information wise that you might uh, want to look up about me. I have four clients. I have the upper amount of clients right now. The top amount of clients is right now four and I actually have a fifth starting. Isn't that crazy? I know. Well, part of that is that I absolutely, the 94% of it is that I absolutely love the small step intensive. Like I love the small step. I love it so much. Love it. Like I love it so much. I would pee on my front leg. I'm not even kidding. That's how much I love it. I was in Los Angeles. This is leading to the, uh, to the subject of this week's episode, which is passion and miscellany. And I looked up miscellany because I thought it was a word and it is a word. I was like, am I making that word up? Cause nobody uses miscellany, but it is. And I love it. I was down in Los Angeles finishing. Yeah. You heard me finishing the album. Why? Because I finish what I start. Okay. And I started it a year ago, went down to LA. Then a year went by and people were putting other tracks on it. I was very involved. I just didn't go down to LA. Anyways, then went down and spent five days down there working my ass off 12 hour days, but also wait for it. Sleeping on a boat. Yes. I slept on a boat. Now you might think to yourself, boy, he, he is a high roller. 
Sid sleeps on it. That's a yacht. I will bet you he's sleeping on the yacht. No, it was a it was a twenty seven foot uh, sailboat and not a fancy one. The drummer of my band, the old days, Sid Hillman Quartet, who but this record's a solo, but he helped he co produced it with me. He lives on a boat. His boat's too small for both the both of us, so he got a buddy who's at the next dock over Marina del Rey, who lent who lent him the his boat. Not a lot of amen. There's no amenities. I mean, zero amen. It was a it was a couch, essentially a couch. However, the only and that's fine. I I can do. I, it's fine. There was a couple moments I was like, I'm 54. I'm sleeping on a a sailboat with a wood slats that you have to put into place to close any kind of door that would exist. However, the he, the guy went to London who owns the boat and didn't leave the little thing that gets you into the gate to get down to the dock to the boat. So I had to parkour up a little bit. I got to tell you, there was one night, usually it would be propped open enough, but one night it closed and there was another guy there who actually lived there. His key wouldn't even work on it. So I climbed over a rail over the water on a little six inch or less probably strip of concrete and I'm scooting along the side. I said to Mike, my drummer said, get the video out. This could be a great fail video if I go down. If I go down in fully clothed at 11 o'clock, and by the way, it's 11 o'clock at night. We just gotten back from the studio. Uh, I, this is going to be amazing. Parkour over. Then I had to go, straddle from there over the water to a perpendicular dock uh, part and then climb over that. Then I was able to open the um, gate from in, inside. So got that done. From then on, I sort of taped the gate. The final morning I was there, I saw, I, I went out, because you have to go, it's a long story, but not that long. There's no bathroom on the boat. These are teeny boats. So you have to walk up the dock to go to this bathroom. It's not, it's rough living. It's a, it's a 1.2 degrees off camping, um, but prettier, that's for sure, and nicer on the water. But um, I had to walk up the, and I, and I go to the bathroom, and I come back out, and there's a security guard there. And he's got the gate open and he's looking at the thing that I put taped. And, and I used, this is not a joke, the tape that I used to tape my mouth shut. If you guys don't know, I'm a breath coach. I've been transitioning myself to nasal breathing. So I tape my mouth shut. So I took the tape off my mouth in the morning. I didn't travel with tape, but I have the mouth tape. And I taped the, the, over where the little notch happens, right? So I see him fumbling with that. And I said, son of a bitch. Now I'm caught. And he doesn't know it was me, but he's jacking it around. I go, son of a bitch. Now I got to deal with the parkour every time I want to get to the boat where I'm living on. So I go down to my drummers and I go, we got busted. And he goes, I'll deal with it. I go, are you going to get in trouble? He goes, no. I mean, the guy left to London. He didn't, he think he thought it would get, he thought it would get, you know, propped open. So it was no big deal. I'll handle it, but we got to get you in there because all my stuff's there. We come out, he walks over to the gate and the security guard, wait for it had put more tape on there to keep it better propped open. That was the crack team of security. It was not my mouth tape. Although he left the mouth tape there, he just put brown duct tape on top of that. So there's not a chance in hell that that gate is getting locked from here to 2027. However, you do what you do. And that's my lesson here. I know it's not really my lesson, but my point is, is in LA, working on my music, doing my thing, roughing it a little bit, guys. It's not a joke. It was it was pretty sleeping bag kind of a thing, right? Get up in the morning. I would take a run around the marina. Very beautiful. Then we get in a car, drive to the valley, go to a studio, be there for 12 hours, go home at 10, 11 o'clock at night, sometimes parkour to get to my bed. 
it's about music, but this episode is not really about music. This episode is about passion. And this episode is about, I was going to title it the passion of the zeitgeist um, because it's like a time and a spirit of where you're at in your life. And this is very important because of this reason. If there was something in your life that was of passion for you that we were passionate about, maybe when you were younger, you were you were passionate uh, to be a dancer or passionate to be a screenwriter or passionate to be a musician or something. And then things change. We, we maybe pursue that for a while, but then we have a family and we have kids and things change. And we kind of get separated. This actually happened to me. Music, I was doing, that's all I did in Los Angeles. I made a living as an actor, but music was my thing. Then I moved out of LA because I got burnt on that, moved up here, went back to school, became a nutritionist. You know the story. But I sort of in my brain separated myself from the music as if to say, well, now I can no longer do this thing because it's not who I am now because I'm doing this thing here too. And I am very passionate, by the way, about this work, the podcast, my videos, the small step intensive, all that stuff, super passionate about it. But there's still music sitting over there. I mean, this, the small step sets is my more of my job. Music is a true passion, certainly not a moneymaker. But it is something that lights me on fire. And I think that, that, that a couple of things are at play here. First of all, it's look at the time and place that you're in, the zeitgeist, time and spirit. That's what that means, time and spirit. It's sort of that spark that lights us up. And without that spark, we're worse for the wear. My only point about the zeitgeist of it is that the spark that you once had may not be, may, may not be something that's going to spark you today. In other words... Music happens to be what still floats my boat, but it, but it may not be at some point in the future. It could be writing a novel all of a sudden. And by the way, book writing for me has become another thing that lights me on fire. I love writing books. I, again, they're, they're, I, I'm not writing bestsellers, but I love the process. I love, I love the whole thing. And it is a passion, passion-worthy act for me. But the zeitgeist is to sort of look at your life and say, is there something right now that lights me on fire? And if that little voice says, well, yeah, it's this thing right here, but you don't have time to do that. Well, then of course, that's why you're here at this podcast, right? Because I'm going to tell you full of crap. And I'm going to tell you that because not because you're full of crap, because you don't know enough to know that if you apply the small steps to it and you do a little bit, that fire that it lights even by doing a little bit is massive, massive. And I, for a long time, I remember when I first wrote my first bio for my first book, Approaching the Natural. And, and a friend of mine said, don't put anything about your acting or music. It's not relevant. And I always remember that because it was like not relevant. It's not, you're not a music, you're not, nobody cares. It's not a thing. You're not a musician. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm a nutritionist and health care. Like that's what I'm small steps guy. Like I'll just kind of, it's so, it's so a huge part of my practice. So, such a huge part. I have recommended to clients to put steps on their list that are art related long before food because it's having that thing in your life that lights you up, that is massive for your health and happiness. Find a passion for the time that you are in. What I always say is health and happiness do not like a vacuum, which means we start making moves of eating better and not eating as much junk food and all this kind of stuff. And we don't have an idea of what to fill in with that time now. Without a distraction of junk food, you got to have something to fill that in. It doesn't like a vacuum. You can't just say, I'm not going to eat Snicker bars. What are you going to do instead? Well, I can eat better, but okay, but there's not as much distraction in kale as there is in a snacker Snicker bar. So you're going to be left with this kind of dead space of like, oh, that's why I went to the Snicker bar because it bought me time every day to not think about stuff. 
but now I want to be healthy and I want to be happy in theory, but I'm less happy because I don't get to eat my freaking Snickers. What are you going to do instead? And by the way, do you know that passion, the root, the, the root of passion etymology wise is suffering, which I find interesting too, because, you know, we, we have this idea of like doing something that we're passionate about is always going to be fun and awesome and great. And this just, I love it a hundred percent of times. Like writing my first book, I had this romantic vision of me, you know, writing at night, right? Sitting down and writing. How great would that be for me to sit down and write? And then all of a sudden I'm writing a book and I'm like, holy crap, what is happening here? It's two in the morning and I am in a very dark place. But that's the suffering of it that is the payoff later on of you having something in your life that overall gives you meaning and direction and passion and joy. And it actually informs and affects all other parts of your, your life, how you eat, how you move, how you relate to your family and spouse and partner and whoever's in your life. The passion of the zeitgeist is to figure out something that is going to induce, that you can be passionate about. And if your concern in listening to this is, well, I don't know. I've thought about things and I just have no idea. And I think I've talked about this before. Choose something randomly then. If you really don't know, I mean, it, sometimes it takes a little bit of thinking. I'll tell you why. Because you might think, well, I used to, you know, I used to, you know, be a writer and I used to whatever. And so, that, um, you know, that's going to be the thing that I'm passionate about again. But it, it may not be that thing. It takes time. Don't assume that it's always that thing. But take some time to just try some things. Take some time to experiment with stuff. If you really don't know what's going to light you up, then just choose randomly. But my point about bringing, uh, of mentioning the writing thing is that there may be something there that you're kind of blocking out because you're guilty for not doing it and you used to do it and you have fear around it and it's stress-inducing because what if I'm not good enough and what if I, you know, it's a change of identity and I used to be a writer but now I'm not a writer. In my case, it was music. I'm not technically a musician, so I, couldn't, I, sh- can't, I shouldn't write songs because I'm not technically a songwriter anymore. That Some of that stuff takes a little bit of wading through. It does. And that could be a thing that you're like, okay, that is the thing. Music's the thing. But it may not be. And if you really don't know what it is for you, if you really don't know what that thing is for you, try anything. Anything artistic, art, writing, dancing, anything. You never know what you're going to stumble upon until you... Inaction is the thing that you will never be passionate about. Not doing stuff is never... Nobody's ever going, you know what I'm passionate about? Sitting on my ass, not doing anything like not paying attention. I love, I I just, oh, I get so excited when I don't do stuff. It's always, this thing lights me up. This class, this experience, this writing, this challenge, this whatever, something that you're going to fall into that is something that you think about long after and totally around the actual times that you're doing that thing. The stuff that you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about and how crucial that stuff is for high quality of life. And even on a, just a mundane, boring level, it does affect your happiness and it does affect your health and it does affect your stress and physiologically there too. And I'm down there recording this record and, you know, I heard the voice in my head like, you have no business, like you're 54, like you have no business like doing a record, like what, what, like that's the voice. And I'm like, I have every business doing a record. I mean, I had songs to write. I didn't force them. They came out. 
I'm recording them. I've done it a lot. I love it. I love the process. I always did. And I'm proud as hell of the record. Whether I or not it does anything in the world, I have no idea. And the cool thing about being 54 and doing this is I care less than I even did when I was 25. It's out of my hands. I made a good record. I'm proud of it. If it goes anywhere, great. If it doesn't, I'm still proud of it. It doesn't change anything other than an accounting. And that's it. Passion and the miscellany. The miscellany was the P on the front leg, let's face it. But the passion, how important that is. Always left, always left till the end. I want to learn more about protein grams and 10% and how many grams, 0.8 kilogram per body. Let me find something that I'm passionate about that lights me up, that makes my marriage better because I'm happier as a person. Let me find something that lights me up so that I don't eat as much junk food to distract myself from the life that I want to live. Let me, let me find something that I'm so passionate about that lights me up so that when I'm at my boring job, I don't really care as much. I don't get wrapped up in bullshit office politics because I got bigger fish to fry because I can't wait to get home to spend 20 minutes on the thing that I'm creating for myself primarily. That's why we put passion in our lives. That's why we keep passion in our lives. That's why we should never ideally live in our lives without something that lights us on fire. I'm killed and killed I can't find the strength to wake up I'm dead and dead Cause my cares went away with you I'm feared and feared Cause I walk around with no ground beneath me Dreams they keep on rolling Plans they are making their way All I can do is package them, package them away Away. I'm lost, I'm lost Cause finding means nothing to me I'm drunk, I'm drunk I can't face another day I'm spent, I am spent Cause I watched you throw it all away Dreams, they keep on rolling The plans, they are making their way all I can do is package them, package them away, away.
plans they keep on rolling The plans they are making their way All I can do is package them, package them away Dreams they keep on rolling The plans they are making their way All I can do is package them, package them away